Welcome to the Big Picture Podcast, where we make sure you know there's more going on than you can see or hear. If this podcast episode helps you, would you consider leaving us a review on the app or platform you're using to listen? We appreciate it. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake. And now, your host, Larry Ragland. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to our guest tonight. He is, not only is he the uh, host of the Big Picture podcast that we've had a privilege of being a part of, but he's also the senior pastor of Solid Rock Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, so if you're, listen, if you're in that region or anywhere in that area within driving distance, we want to encourage you to uh, go visit, be a part of that service. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Bishop Larry Raglan. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, yes, yes. So, brother, <laughs> we are excited to have you on. Thank you. Um, it's first time we've had you on, uh, but not the first time that we've been a part of uh, together uh, as a, you know, doing a broadcast together. So I'm excited about this tonight because we, uh, I know the content in which we are going to be talking about tonight. So I'm super excited about this. And uh, for you guys, again, that, that are not aware of what exactly we're going to be talking about tonight, we're going to be sharing. I'm going to have, I'm going to have uh, our brother turn loose here in just a second. He's going to share some stuff out of his new book. And I want to encourage you. Uh, I'm going to let him loose here in just a second. He's going to share about this book that he's just written uh, a little bit about himself uh, and we're, he's going to share some stuff that's, uh, in the book. So I want to encourage you to, to uh, get a copy of this book, read it, uh, and just be blessed and be encouraged by this. So we're going to take, he's going to take a snippet from this book. He's going to share some testimony and this is going to build your faith. I'm going to share some personal testimony that many of you guys have heard in the past, but any of you, all of you new guys, new people joining us to the broadcast, maybe you've not heard this and, and I'm telling you, it's going to build your faith. You know, the word of the Lord says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but testimonies, when you hear testimonies of what people has been through, what God has brought them out of and bringing them through, it encourages you to let you, let you know that the same God that brought them through, come on somebody, is the same God yes. that will bring you through as well. So, uh, Larry, I'm going to let you loose, introduce yourself, uh, and we're going to get right into this thing. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ricky. I'm just so, so honored to be a part of End Time Headlines. I thank God for everything that you're doing and everything that has been done over the years to to just to just show the world what's really happening in the world and to open up their eyes and so it's been incredible I, in fact on our show the big picture uh sandy and i uh, when we do our live show a lot of the material that we use to really tell people what's going on we get from end time headlines because you are you are a go-to site so for me to be on your program is an absolute privilege and I, i'm honored honored to be a part of it but yeah the the name of my book is called I See Greatness in You. It's available anywhere where you get books now, or you can just go to IseeGreatnessInYou.com or my, my website, LarryRagon.com, either one. But it's the story of just really of my life, but more than that. It's the subtitle of the book is called uh, One Man's Story, But Everybody's Everyone's Journey. And, and it really is because everybody's gone through stuff. Everybody's gone through 
completely uh, something somebody's dropped them somebody has just just um done something they've gone through something that's just been devastating to their life and and i've gone through many things like that but uh, I opened a book by telling the story of my childhood. Uh, I was raised in an extremely abusive home, uh, verbally destroyed, just mentally wrecked by my father. But um, he also physically uh, hit me, beat me, different things like that. It was just a very scarring childhood. My mother was an amazing mother, but my father was very, very abusive. And he was a liar. He was a manipulator. He was a cheat. And, you know, if you know anything about battered women's syndrome and so forth, they're usually the man is usually a, a, a master manipulator and in uh, and liar. And uh, he was. But uh, one 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 story that I tell in the book was when I was 10 years old. And I remember like it was yesterday, my mother was threatening to leave him that night. One of the many times that I remember her doing that. And uh, just before we got in the car, he came inside the living room where we were at with a double barrel 12 gauge shotgun and he screamed at me and I was 10 years old and uh, wow. he, he, he made me watch him load both shells into both barrels. He pulled it back up, pulled both of the, the, uh, the hammers back and he grabbed my little 10 year old finger and put it on the trigger and stuck the barrels in his mouth and mm. uh, literally said, blow, blow my brains out, pull the trigger and blow my brains out. Larry, I was 10 years old. And I started screaming, Dad, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And he goes, he said, well, you either blow my brains out or you get in that car with your mother and I'll blow my brains out. But either way, you live the rest of your life knowing you killed your father. So you might as well just go ahead and do it. And that was just one little snippet of if you, what my childhood at that age was like. And wow. um, But, of course, being a ma master manipulator, he didn't do it. He was threatening to do it. He was using that as a tool. But for a 10 year old, you don't, you don't think that you're being manipulated. You think he's really going to do it. And, uh, so it just scarred me tremendously. And so we ended up not long after that, finally leaving, hiding from him. And, uh, he found us. And, uh, when he found us, uh, that was the day that everything changed for my life because when he came in, he came in with a revolver and, uh, set it on the kitchen table and me and my mother standing over by the, by the refrigerator. He went into the same mantra, but even more intense. And uh, once again said, when I leave here, I'm gonna, he put the pistol to his head, just like this, and cocked it in front of me. And uh, he said, well, why don't you look at me? This is the last time you're ever going to see me. And because I'm leaving here, I'm going to the train trussel. And when I get to the train trussel, they'll find my body because today's the day I kill myself for sure. And, uh, and he said, like I told you before, you killed me, Larry. You killed me because you would not make your mother go home, come home and be with me. And so... You know, I'm just, I'm just hysterical. I'm, I mean, I'm almost 11 at that point. And so he left. And uh, the last words I heard him say that day as he was screaming through the screen door, don't you forget what I said. Don't you ever forget what I said, Larry. And uh, so, of course, he didn't do it. But that was the day that in the book I detail that my life really changed because my mother re revealed a secret to me that she had been keeping my whole life that shocked me to my core and that's really the the central theme from that point forward in, in the book miracle after miracle after miracle and uh, of course the it's called i see greatness in you ricky because uh if you know the pattern uh, of abuse you will usually become and many of the viewers and listeners right now will attest to this that you will become what you hate 
if something dramatic doesn't happen. It's a, it's That's just, true. it's, it's the way it always happens. So, so I did not become violent, although I, I look back now and I could see that I was right on the edge of picking up that violent trait, but I did become the liar. I did become the manipulator. I did become the cheat. So I, those traits were passed down to me through him. And of course, through high school, you know, I, everybody thought I had the greatest life. I was the jock. I was the captain of the football team, you know, part of the popular crowd, all this. Uh, in, in, but inside I was dying. I was literally dying because I, I, I had no father. I had no one in my life to affirm me. But so through that, through that ability, uh, I, I hate to call it an ability that I'd got from my father. I convinced this little 18 year old girl. I was 20. I was out of high school by then. She was in high, senior in high school to agree to marry me. And, uh, but the thing about it is I had manipulated and lied my way there. And the, the person that she had said yes to was not real. It was a fake. Mm-hmm. And I now say, thank God. Right before we got married, I got arrested. I detail all this in the book. And so I'm standing before the judge. She's standing outside the courthouse. And I'm saying to myself, everything my father said about me, being a failure, never having anything, going to be a loser, he was right. This is my only shot of a life is standing outside, and now I have blew it because she was raised in a perfect home, beautiful home. She did, She was, you know, from her childhood, she was told by her mother and father, God is going to bring you a man of God that's going to take care of you. And I knew that wasn't me. So I walked outside and I told Sandy, her name is Sandy. And I told her, I said, Sandy, I want you to do something for me. She's 18 now. Keep this in mind. She's only been 18 for a couple months, right out of high school. And I said, I need you to turn around, walk down that sidewalk and never look back. Because if you, if you don't do it, I think you realize I'm going to destroy our lives. You're not going to have a good life with me. I know what I'm going to do. And, uh, she grabbed my hand and Ricky, she looked me in the eyes and she said, I'm not going to leave you, Larry. And I said, why would you stay with somebody like me now that you know the real me? And she said, because when I look into your eyes, I see greatness in you. Wow. And I, and it, it just shook me. And I was like, what did you say? She said, I see greatness in you, Larry, and I'm going to stay with you. And God's going to help me help you see who you really are. You know what's and, really profound, brother? is uh i've never shared i don't know you probably don't know this about me personally but a lot of our audience does we have very similar backgrounds we have very similar upbringings i my biological father left me when i was in the crib my Mm. stepfather came in the picture when i was five years of age he was a drunk he was a violent drunk um i was in a raised in a home for 23 years of verbal abuse emotional abuse mental abuse uh, I saw all this, uh, fights with my mother and him, fist fights. Um, and then I met my wife, uh, by the way, we'll be celebrating 23 years this November. Um, yes. And, um, wow. so it's so yeah. weird. It's and very I was stimulant. not, yeah, I was not saved. Wow. I was a very angry person, uh, yep. because again, I can relate because you, when you're, raised up in in that environment there are spirits involved there is demonic spirits that are involved yes and this is and they will carry from generation to generation and that's why you become a product of what you were uh what you were raised in and and this is what uh bishop is talking about here but what's amazing here is what i'm hearing here is and i've always said this pastor satan will make the first move but mm-hmm. God always has the last word. That's so good. And 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 look at this today. 
both, you know, here's two men of God standing here today and look what we came out of right. and we're not done yet. He's going to share some more, but I, I want you to listen to this folks. If there's somebody watching, somebody listening today and the devil, listen, the devil, he thrives in condemnation. And he's trying to convince you that you're not worthy. He's trying to convince you that you're not qualified. He's trying to convince you that your 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 track record and what you yes. if people knew what you came out of and what you were part of or what you're even in now. You may be watching this. I don't know. I don't know who you never know who's going to be joining these broadcasts. And I'll share a little bit about that a little bit in the segment. In the segment, there could be somebody watching right now. And maybe you're the abuser. Come on. Oh, maybe wow. you're on the other end mm. and you are the abuser. But there's something you don't understand, but there's something working on the inside of you. Something you feel something that's been uh, prying at your heart and knocking on your heart. Yeah. I need you to stick by. I need you to stick with this program tonight because God, I'm telling you, God is in the delivering business. So let's get back. Yes. want him to continue to go. Uh, what he's talking about here. Okay. Well, one thing, Ricky, that I want to point out is the opening part of the book um, is the, in the introduction, I have a section called the DNA of greatness. And it's called the DNA of greatness because I know everyone that's watching and listening, I know you know this, but I want to remind you that we were created in the image of God. Yes. So therefore, every single human being on this earth, no matter who they are, race, nationality, ethnicity, doesn't matter. They all begin this world with the image of God. They have greatness within them. And there are certain levels of greatness that an, an, an achievement that can happen on your own. You can study, you can go to school, you can learn how to be great, and you can do things great. But there's a part of you that can never be seen by yourself. It is, it is built into humanity from God to need someone else to pull that out of us. That's the power of life and death that's in our tongue. So when when my little 18-year-old girl said those words to me, I see greatness in you. Larry, it's in there. You don't see it, but I'm going to help you see it. I've asked her many times, Sandy, what in the world could cause an 18-year-old girl to say something so profound? Hmm. And she just always says, it, it wasn't me, Larry. It was God. It was God used me in that moment because he knew what he wanted to do with your life. But he had he had to have a voice to speak into your life, and he chose me to speak that in, into your life. And so it set me on a course for, for the rest of my life now. I mean, that was in 1988 when that conversation happened. We got married in 1989 with no desire to be in ministry whatsoever, never even had one single discussion of it. But uh, four months into our marriage, we were youth pastors. And you know, two and a half years later, we were planting our first church. And then a few years later after that, we planted this church. We've been in this church for 28 years. Of 28 years, same church. But this is the one thing I want to say to you is that I realized that everybody don't have a Sandy. Every, you know, and that's I was blessed to have a Sandy, but everybody don't have a Sandy. So I wrote the book, Ricky, to be your Sandy because when you know you may not have that voice, but this book is, is the voice. So when you write, when, when you read that book, it's going to unlock something inside of you. But but I don't want anybody to believe that that was oh wow, that's an amazing story. Now your life is perfect. No, I detail in my in the book every single chapter from that point on was tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after just drop after drop after drop and breaking. 
you know, one chapter, you know, and I know you've preached about it many times, but my, one of my favorite subjects in all of the scriptures is Mephibosheth and, you know, how he was dropped and he was broken. And, and, and that was me. And I, and I want everybody to know that, that, you know, I was not just dropped by one man. I was dropped by two father figures, much similar to what you're talking about in your mm -hmm. life. But, you know, I went through sickness. I think you and I talked about it the other day. I detailed it. Chapter seven of the book is, you know, you remember, you remember when 2007 was coming, uh, in 2006, 2007 was coming, every preacher in the world was preaching. Seven's the number of the Holy Ghost. 2007 yeah, is yeah. going to be the greatest year ever. And I was like everybody else. So, so starting about summer, fall of 2006, I started preaching, uh, everybody get ready. Cause next year is the year. It's going to be the greatest year of your life. I mean, <laughs> it's 2007's number of the Holy Ghost. I even already had a service planned on July 7th, uh, 2007, 777. It was going to be, I mean, I was planning on the greatest year of my life, but Ricky, I detail in the book, one of the most life, the first life changing moment and the biggest life changing moment other than giving my life to Christ was when Sandy said those words to me. And the other life changing thing happened to me in 2007 is when on, get this, I'm not making this up. My birthday is January the 8th. Well, on January the 7th at, of 2007, beginning of the year, January 7th of 2007, approximately seven p.m. I'm not lying. This is the truth. 7 p.m. January 7th, 2007, I hit the floor and in and, and massive pain. And uh, and I couldn't understand what in the world was going on. I was down in the in the living room by myself and it just would not get better, would not get better. And and I just got so I was in so much pain. I was screaming out. My wife came down there to ask me what was wrong. She thought I'd fail or something. I was just screaming. I screamed all through the night. And on the morning of my birthday, January 8th, I went to the emergency room detail all this in the book as well. Well, they took, they did all the kind of tests in the world on me, except tests for appendix. And I don't know why in the world to this day that happened, but they sent me home with stomach acid medicine and I laid on the couch for days and got worse and worse and worse. My fever got worse and worse and worse. They finally called me back and said, come in, we're going to do a nuclear test on you because we believe it's your gallbladder. Well, they came in and shot that dye in me. I screamed in pain. They said, okay, that's it. It's your gallbladder. Well, 10 days later, the 10 days after that, emergency visit. So I'm now dealing with this for 10 days. Uh, they take me in for the same day surgery to get my appendix out. And I'm, and my doctor comes in and says, listen, I need to do a CAT scan on you, MRI or something. And uh, CAT scan, I believe, and said, I, I, this don't make sense that you're still having this kind of fever. Well, came back in just a few minutes, looked, I'll never forget it. It's the last thing I remember. She came in, walked in the room, told my wife, Miss Ragnall, I don't have time to talk to you. This man's body, this is the worst appendix I've ever seen in my life. He's got to go right now. I'll talk to you later and just reel me out. And I was gone. I was in surgery for two and a half hours. And she, she said that he came in and told her while I was in ICU, that man is the worst I've ever seen. He had enough poison. This was his words. He had enough poison in his body to kill five men already. Listen and to that, how, Five men. He had enough poison in his body to kill five men. And... um. So that set on course, the greatest year of my life, Ricky, 2007, became in the physical, the worst year of my life. I was in the hospital five of the first six months of 2007. And the last time I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for 31 days straight. And for 28 days of those 31 days, I had no food, no water. They wouldn't even touch a wet sponge to my lip. I was fed through my neck. I was basically mm. dying. My Lord. But I want to tell you something. On the 28th day... I call, I call it the greatest worst day of my life. That is when everything changed for me for sure. That was the that when my wife said I see greatness in you, 
and the 28th day of the 31 days in the hospital in 2007 is the only reason, Ricky, the only reason because of what God did in my life in that hospital bed and the things that he said to me. It's the only reason my marriage survived. It's the only reason I even have a relationship with my children. It's the only reason I'm still have a church. It's the only reason I'm still alive. Can I interject? I'm going to interject something here real quick. I was thinking about this. Two, two points real quick. One is, listen, I know how people are. And you may be watching this, and there, there, there's always that fringe group of people say, well, this sounds like some new age jargon to me. I see greatness no. in you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-mm. Well, let me, let, me, let me talk about this for a second. First of all, did you know the Bible says that there is treasure in earthen vessels? Yes. In other words, let me translate that for you. You may see a homeless man out here on the street, and, and the world will perceive that as trash. But God sees a preacher. God yes. sees a missionary. God sees greatness in that man under a bridge, just as he sees greatness behind a pastor of 3,000 people that's yes. doing great things in the world. Just because we uh, we should know this church, we should, we should understand this right. from when, when David was chosen. Yes. Uh, the prophet came in and he said, it's got to be this guy. It's got to be this guy, this guy. This guy has all the, right. the, the qualifications. He meets all the criteria. But he was looking through the natural eyes. And God looked beyond that and saw greatness. Come on, somebody. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. somebody that, come on, wasn't even on the roster. Yep, yep. He wasn't yep. even yep. in the, he wasn't even in the lineup. This Say guy it. wasn't even in the, he wasn't warming up at the bat. He wasn't mm. even on the team. He right. was on the backside. And God so said, good. no, this is who I'm cho- chosen. All right, number two, this is there's, this is another principle that we've talked about on this program before, and you need to understand. Let me explain it like this. Paul told Timothy, who was a, uh, he was a young pastor, that uh, very, he was very young, starting out pastoring, and there was a lot of elders uh, in the church that was looking down on him. They didn't see what Paul saw in him because Timothy was right. Paul's spiritual son. Paul saw greatness in Timothy. He saw mm-hmm. the potential. He, In fact, in one of his letters, he said, I see the same faith in you that was not only in your mother, but was in your grandmother. Come on. We... Oh, come on, somebody. Preachers mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. about generational curses of alcohol and lust and this that passed down four generations. But we need preachers to stand up and, and look at somebody and say, look, I see faith in you. I yes. see, come on, I see revival in you. Yes. I see this and this. And pulling out yeah. treasure out of earthen vessels. So watch yes. this. So Paul tells Timothy in one of his letters, Timothy's discouraged just like all of us get, we get discouraged. Uh, there was an article, Bishop, that we just posted today on End Time Headlines, and there was a new poll that said that pastors feel lonelier than they ever than they have in decades. Absolutely. And so we we're all going to face this. I don't care how, yeah. how old you are. I don't care the criteria that you have, yes. the qualifications you have, whatever. Everyone is going to go through these seasons like this. That's why the Bible says encourage one another daily. Anyway, Paul tells Timothy, he says, let no one uh, despise your youth. He encourages him with that. But then he makes an interesting statement and he says, Timothy, listen to this church with the prophecies that have Mm. been spoken over Over you. you. Yep. Now I know 
this will ruffle the sensationist feathers because they don't believe this. But yeah, listen, we have seen this. Oh, I could we could both sit here. I guarantee you for hours and just talk about just words that's been given. But watch this. So Paul tells Timothy with the prophecies that's been spoken over you. So there is there is people in the church, probably elders, uh, bishops, and different ones. Even Paul himself has given prophetic words over Timothy. Yep. So Paul said, you're going through a storm. You're going through a trial. You're going through a difficulty. There's condemnation coming against you. The devil's yep. trying to get you to throw in the towel. He's trying to tell you to call it quits. But I need, I've come by today to remind you that you have a, come on, you don't have just a Logos word, but you have a Rhema word that's been spoken over you. And yes. with it, you have to wage a good warfare. Listen what the bishop yep. said. He was literally in the valley of the shadow of death. And what pulled Absolutely. him through was, my mm. God, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. Yep. He yep. said, I, there was one word there was a word that was spoken through my wife. Yep. I see greatness in you. And that word carried him through. Come on. All you need, guys, you don't need a whole journal full right. of words. Yep. Yes, you have the word of God. You Listen, you have the written word, but you can get one rhema word that will pull you through. And, yep. uh and man, I could sit here and tell you story after story after story, but I don't want to, I, I don't want to pull, because you guys know how I am. I'm bad about pulling this off in rabbit trails. So I got to restrain myself today, but I want to go back. Um, I want him to share a little bit more. Then I'm going to come back and I'm going to share um, a story, a personal story myself uh, involving a financial miracle. Cause some of mm. you, you may be watching today and you can't relate to Bishop. You can't relate. You, maybe you was raised in the perfect, uh, right. <clears throat> Mayberry home. Both your parents never had any trouble. Your parents were married 60 years. They never argued. They never had a falling out. They never had a disagreement, whatever. So you can't relate to that, but maybe you're going through a financial crisis. Well, we got a word for you too. So listen, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a word for somebody that's watching today. So go ahead, brother. Amen. <clears throat> a couple of things I want to point out is, first of all, when my wife says, I see greatness in you, because I just like what you said is so right, Ricky. I've had people that when I post the cover of my book and stuff like that, you know, you know, the haters will come in there and they'll just, you know, say things. There's nobody great but God. How dare you call yourself great? It's not that. It's not, it's not what it's about. You got, right, you, right. you got to understand the premise is, greater is he that's within Come you on. than he yes. that's within the world. Notice the words, greater is he that's within you. This is not about my personal greatness. That, that's, I'm not talking about success. I'm not trying to talk about find your best you, live your best you. That's not what this Listen book is. This is not church. a self-help book. This is not a self-help book whatsoever. Yes. This is a book that points you to the only true life of greatness is through the greatness of Jesus Christ there and through is. the impact of the Holy Spirit. So when that when she would say to me, it was God that used me, Larry. It was God saying that to 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 show you your worth and your potential. Remember, we're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. God has called us out to be an impact. Dr. Maxwell says, leadership. When you're a leader, it's nothing more, nothing less than than influence. Influence is all it is. God has called the body of Christ to influence. That's what the Great Commission is. If you don't know who you are in God, I've often said this. Listen to me. Uh, ETH listeners and viewers, listen to me closely. The most powerful force on this earth is the Holy Spirit, hands down. Nothing is close to it. 
The second most powerful force on this earth is a man or a woman who know who they are in God. Oh, and when you know good. who you are yeah. in God, you're, you're second most powerful force on this earth. No one can stop you. The devil cannot stop the call that is on that's your good. life. And so, so the purpose of the book is to show you. And, and that's why I said not everybody has a Sandy, so I want the book to be your Sandy. And, and it's not because the book is supernatural. It's not because the book is equivalent to any kind of spiritual writings, but it is inspired by God. Every little thing that I tell you that I've gone through in my life, which if I didn't live it, I wouldn't even believe it. It's like a movie. It's The things that I've told you on this broadcast is literally less than 5% of what I cover in the book that I've gone through. It's just been tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. But Everything I write is three or four paragraphs of, of, of my life, then three or four paragraphs of scripture and, and stories in Bible. I want to I show you that no matter what you've gone through in your life, someone in the Bible went through that and got, came out of that. And I show you how you can always go back. That word that you said to Timothy, hold fast to that word, that prophecy which was spoken over you, that with it you might war a good warfare. Yeah. Because when, when you know who you are in God and the enemy comes in and tries to tell you you're a loser, you're a liar, your your family's not going to survive, your marriage is not going to survive, your children are never coming home, they're never getting free from drugs, you're never going to stop looking at pornography, you're never going to uh, get over this sickness, you're never going to be healed, no matter blah, 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 blah. When you know what God has said about you, and not a prideful thing, but a confidence in God thing. You can tell that devil, oh, hold up a minute. You don't, you forgot who you're talking to. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not just Joe Blow that lives down the street there that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. I am a man of God. I am a woman of God. I am. I, my family is a family of God, and you're not going to stop me. You're not going to stop me because I know what God has told me. And that's what I had to learn. Well, on that 28th day of those 31 days I was talking about, Ricky, uh, let me just set this up for you real quick. What happened to me is, is that one of the things that I detail in the book, spoiler alert, I still want you to read the book, but I'm, I'm a pastor. I've got two small children at this point. I'm, I'm, you know, church is struggling a little bit, but I've got the church, but I'm also now starting to get some speaking engagements and I'm just sort of feeling that affirmation. Everybody wants to be affirmed. Everybody wants uh, to tell somebody, somebody to tell them you're doing good. You're doing good. Mm -hmm. So that, that gift that was within me, it was, it, I didn't know it, but a lot of it had moved over into a little bit of pride, but there's just something about the power of affirmation. And I'll never forget it. We'd been married for several years. Like I said, we already had two small children and I'd preached at this church in South Alabama and, uh, it was a powerful service. Altars were filled. It was incredible. It was late night. And the only thing that was open was a little subway there in that little town. Went to that subway and my kids are on one side of the Subway uh, uh, restaurant and, and me and Sandy's on the other side. And uh, this is this is chapter six of the book. And so we're just I'm just talking about the service. She's just staring at me. She's just got this blank face at me. And I'm just like, say, what's wrong with you? That was a powerful service. What is wrong with you? And, and Rick, she grabbed my hand. The same the same woman that said, I see greatness. You know, I'm not leaving you. I want you to listen how the devil can come in and steal. She grabbed my hand and she said, Larry, I, 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 can't, I can't hold this in any longer. And I said, what is it? And she goes, you have no idea what you've become. You have checked out. And we were talking about pastors being lonely. You're talking about pastors being in, in a world. Well, we had just got come out of a building project. And, you know, while I was in that building project, I had a purpose. I, had a, I, I knew what I was doing with my life. Well, when that was over with, I just sort of shut down, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. And uh, I had checked out. I had become the perpetual scroller on Facebook. I had checked out for my family. I never spent time with my kids anymore. I had isolated myself. 
and and I was preaching fire on Sunday, but then not talking to anybody through the week. I had no idea this would even happen to me. And I, I, I didn't know. And she grabbed my hand and she said, and I go, it's the hardest part of the book for me to write, is she looked at me and she said some other things, but she ended it by saying, Larry, I don't know how to say this. I love you, but I don't know if I'm still in love with you. Mm. And, and, and I was like, what? And she said, I don't know if I'm still in love with you. She goes, listen, I, I, I've told God I'm giving this marriage and this church and our life one year. If something doesn't happen and change in one year, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm miserable because the man that I fell in love with is not the man sitting across from this table anymore. Wow. And she said, she said, I love you, but in one year, if you don't change, if these things don't change, I don't know if I can stay. I think I'm going to, I would probably possibly leave. And I was just like, what are you saying? Where is this coming from? I could, she's like, I know you don't get it. I've been trying to tell you and you won't listen. Hmm. And and I just was stunned. I was just stunned. Well, I want you to know, brother, and, and it was only a, two or three months later is when the whole events of January 7th, 2007 happened. And uh, that was 2007 was that year that she had given me to change. And that fifth time that I was in the hospital for 31 days on that 28th day, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was on drugs and in the, in the hospital. They had me because I was in so much pain. And I had told her to leave. It was it was a holiday. And uh and I said, take the kids and do something with the kids. So I'm in that room by myself. And um, you know, here I am, a pastor, a father, a husband. Um, you know, and I just I was just sitting there sort of staring at the wall. And and so she called me and I was talking to her on the phone from the hospital phone, and I could hear my kids laughing and playing, and they were in a swimming pool and they were swimming. It was during the summer. And I heard my kids yell out, Daddy, when are you ever coming home? Daddy, please come home, Daddy. And uh, like I said, it was 28 days straight. And Sandy said, are you okay, Larry? And I said, I'm okay. I, I held it together. I said, I'm okay. I said, you go play with them. I'll be fine. I'll call you later. And I hung up the phone. Ricky, when I hung up that phone, I had it out with God. I mean, I'd never, I'd heard people say they'd had it out with God before. I'd never done it. I had so much, and I have so much respect and reverence for God. I couldn't mm. imagine somebody calling God out. I couldn't imagine somebody, you know, just telling God that, you know, he has forsaken me and all these kind of things. But I put that phone down, and I'm telling you, as, as sure as I'm breathing, looking at his camera, I screamed at God. I, I took for 30 minutes straight, I just railed at God. I mean, I just said, let me tell you something. I've sacrificed everything. I've lost everything. Every dream that I had, I gave it all up for you. I've done this for you. I've done this for you. I've, my family sacrificed. We, we've built churches. Nobody knows what we've done. Nobody knows what we've done. And look what you've done. Look what you've done. I mean, I just, I thought I'd never dreamed that I would ever be at a place in my life where I would say some of the things that I said to God that day on the 28th day. Yeah. So don't judge days. him church. You, if, unless you've been there, don't judge me because I'm right. going to tell you something. Let me tell you the, as Paul Harvey used to say, and the, only the older folks even know who <laughs> yeah, Paul yeah. Harvey is, the rest of the story. Yeah, uh, yeah. And the reason I was in the hospital, Ricky, is I had at some point, and it's, I don't want to go into it now, but I had created a blockage through, as a result of all the poison that was in my body from the appendix, and it had killed my small intestine and my small and my large intestine. So I had, had to have a foot and a half of my large intestine and a foot and a half of my small intestine removed and mm. stitched back together. 
Well, in the middle of between the fourth, between the third and the fourth time in the hospital, my house burned. And when my house oh, caught on gosh. fire and burned, I was, my kids were there. Uh, they just got home from school. I was on my way home to see them when the, when the house had caught on fire and I couldn't find my youngest daughter. I jumped a barbed wire fence to my neighbor looking for it. When I did, I ripped the stitches internally in me uh, of the large intestine and created a fissure that uh, was leaking poison into my body. So they had stuck a tube into my, into my belly to drain the poison, to let it heal so I could get out. For, for 28 days, it would not heal. 28 days, that tube sticking out of me, and it was just a continual bile just coming, being fed through my neck in a tube, and it was going out through me in a tube in my belly. And I was just like, it would not end. The doctors could not understand why it would not stop draining. So when I got through mm. screaming at God, I'll never forget it, Ricky. One of the few times in my life I heard the audible voice of God. I heard God say these words to me. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, but this is what I heard God say. <laughs> Are you finished? Uh, yeah, it sounds and like he goes, God. He, and, and this is what God said to me. Now you've told me about me. Uh -oh. Now I'm going to tell you about you. Wow. And he began to systematically reveal to me what had happened to me and where I had gone wrong and, and how I had veered off and all of the things that didn't matter in my life anymore and the things that should matter in my life. And I'm telling you, you if you've ever been in the hospital, you're heading by the hospital and you're in a, in a various tense situation, you know about every 15, 20 minutes somebody comes in, they're checking your vitals oh, yeah. and all this. And that was always the case. But that day, Nobody no one came in. came in. No one came in. It was like 45 minutes to an hour. No one came in and checked on me. No one. It was just me and God. And I cried and I sobbed and I and I I rededicated my entire life to God. And I'm telling you, once I felt that I felt something come on me, I felt it was like I remember one preacher talking about waves of liquid love. That's what I felt. I felt these waves come on me across. And I said these words, God. If I don't make it out of this hospital bed, I'll never, ever, ever doubt you again because this is the greatest moment of my life because I have perspective on a level I've never seen. And it was just, I was just flooded with joy. And, and I'm telling you, Ricky, it's God is my witness. I want everybody to listen to me. 28 <laughs> days would not stop draining. No one come in and checked on me. Soon as I was done and me and God were good, man, we were better than we'd ever been. The door opened, a nurse came in, and this is the first word she said. I am so sorry, Mr. Raglan. There was a miscommunication on the shift changes. Somebody should have been in here. Nobody had wow. any idea that no one had checked on you. I should have already been here, but it was because somebody had to leave and there was a shift change. Please forgive me. And I said, let me tell you something. That was not a <laughs> shift change. That was my God. And she didn't know what she was doing, what was going oh, on. I said, that was, was my God. Change. There was a shift change for yeah. sure, had, but it wasn't what you thought. And uh, <laughs> she came in there, and and here's the other quick thing, and I'll, and I'll wind this down. The other quick thing, about an hour later, about an hour later, if I didn't live this life, Ricky, I wouldn't believe it was even true. But this is true. About an hour later, the doctor comes in, and he goes, Let's, let me tell you something. He goes, man, I've been thinking about this whole situation. And something just came to me today. I just thought, we need to take you down and x-ray that tube that's in your side. And I said, okay. So the way they put that tube, it had so much poison in my body. They could not see the hole, Ricky. They didn't know where the hole was. All they could see was the mass of poison. So they took this long rod that for our nurses, they know what I'm talking about. They put the, they put the silicone tube through that rod and they shoved that rod into your belly. 
And then when they get it deep enough, they pull the rod out all the way through and it leaves the tube. Well, when they went down there and x-rayed that tube, as God is my witness, this is true. Totally blind because they could not see the hole. Unbeknownst to them, they had inserted that rod perfectly into the hole. Wow. Exact hole of my intestine. <clears throat> so for 28 days, my body had grown around that silicone and made that silicone a part of my body. It was never going to heal. So, so I'm laying there and they're going, oh, Listen. my Lord. I, I remember the x-ray technician going, it's in the hole. And I'm laying there. I was like, what? They said, it's in the hole. It would never close. It would never close. We would never know if we wouldn't hear today. And they said, this is going to hurt, but are you ready? And I said, I don't care. Do what you got to do. And they <laughs> it, it, was, it, it had fused to my body, and wow. there was no other way to get it out except to just rip it to shreds. And they pulled it, and they ripped it. And I could feel it just ripping internally inside of me. But in two days later, it was completely healed. I walked out of that hospital. God healed my marriage. I won my wife back. We are more in love than we have ever been. I'm closer to my children than I've ever been. I'm more content in God than I've ever been. But none of it would have been possible, Ricky, if I would not have been in that hospital. And I've been asked many times, would you go back? If you could go back to January 6, 2007, and God could say to you, Larry, tomorrow everything is going to fall apart. You're going to be on the verge of death. Your marriage is not going to probably, it's going to look like it's not going to make everything that you know now that you're going to have to go through and suffer through, the greatest pain you've ever felt in your life. I can, I can stop it right now. Do you want me to? I promise you, I know people don't believe me, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I've said to God many times, rip my appendix to shreds. Rip my, burn my house down. Rip my intestines. Whatever you got to do. Because I now know that there's, it would be impossible for me. And that's the story of the book, the premise of the book, that whether you would have it raised in a great home, like you said earlier or not, Something in your life has dropped you. Someone or some moment has broken you, like Mephibosheth. Everyone has been broken. Everyone has been dropped. If you come from a life of privilege, when I was doing a book signing this week in Orlando, a lady came up to me and was just weeping, telling me about when I shared my story with her. And she had wrote a book. I'll never forget this. And I don't know if I'll ever meet her again. But her book was Recovery from a Life of Privilege. And I hmm. thought, what a name. She was born into the home of a multimillionaire. She said, I had everything that I would ever want in my life, but my life was miserable. And until I got out, till I, and I was still dropped, I was still broken, and I still needed God to come in and touch my life. Had everything a person could ever want in their hands, that I was completely empty. Nothing could satisfy me. I was miserable. I wanted to take my own life. But God came into her life and changed her life. So, Ricky, that's what I want to say to the audience right now, that, you know, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a testimony, but you don't have a testimony without a test. Right. And God can bring you through that. And that's what he did with me. That's what he continues to do with me. And um, that's why I tell everybody. I look at them, I say, hey, I see greatness in you. And they're like, you don't even know me. I say, I don't need to know you. Right. Are you creating the image of God? Yes. Well, then there's greatness in you. Amen. Look, I want to, real quick, I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to tell you a, a quick testimony, and then we're going to pray for you. But, uh, Larry, I want to share this with you, and I want this to be on record. Uh, I could share this off the cuff, but I want to share it with you as you're telling this story. And I'm probably, when I tell you this, it's probably going to confirm to what God has already showed you. The whole time you're telling me this, I saw a potter with clay. 
And listen what he's saying here. The, when the potter takes the clay, he has to take it through a process. Every preacher knows this. Every preacher has preached this in some form or fashion. You take this clay and you mold it and shape it. At times, it has to be broken in order. Now watch this. There is the potter has in his perspective, in his mind, he sees the finished product. Um, and uh, I will say this, brother, the, the name that you gave your podcast, the big picture is more prophetic than you'll ever, you'll mm -hmm. ever know. Because the whole time that you were going through all this, God saw the big picture. Yes, sir. He, the enemy was threatened. You say, well, wait a minute. How's the enemy? Listen, the enemy cannot read our minds, folks, but the enemy, when any kind of prophetic word is spoken, listen, let me go back to Paul and Timothy. When Paul gave that word to Timothy and he says, with the prophecies that's been spoken over, you wage a good warfare. You know why we have to wage a good warfare? Do you know how we have to contend for the words over us? Because the moment a word is given to us and it's in the atmosphere, demons can hear this. Yes. And they will un, they will release the entire uh, they will release the kingdom of hell to Triton. They can't stop it, but they can delay it. We, I believe this. I, I don't know what you believe on this, but I believe that uh, I don't believe that uh, the enemy can stop what God has ordained for you. But we watch this. We can hinder it. Absolutely. We can, we have to contend for this thing. We have to fight for it. Why, why would he tell? Why would Paul tell Timothy wage a good warfare with it? Because if we just sit with our hands folded and say, "Well, God's going to take care of it," no, we have to fight. Even the bishop was saying there that he he had to fight. Yes, he had to contend. He had that moment that he came with God, and he listen. When people go through crisis, they either draw farther from God or they draw closer to God. Yes, sir. And. That's what he did. He drew closer to God. So I just wanted to share that that personal word with you that this, I believe, uh, the, all this warfare you went through was because of where you are right now mm. and where you're heading, where you and Sandy are heading. Uh, look at the influence that you're going to have. Look at, the, look at the doors that God's opening. Uh, we've heard this, the greater levels, greater devils. Right. Um, and I believe that with all my heart, but you know, that's not to be fearful because God will bring the recruitments. God will bring the support yes. base. God will intervene and he will protect and defend what he has ordained. So I want to shift gears here. And I'm going to talk about, and this is kind of a, it's, this is in the same vein. Watch this. So, uh, several years ago, we, uh, we lived in Cleveland, Tennessee, and uh, we had an assignment that we were there for a while, and then that assignment ended, and we were praying about where we where were we were going to live because we knew that God had called us out of Cleveland, Tennessee. We didn't we didn't feel led to stay there anymore. So my wife, who is a uh, nurse practitioner at that time, she was not; she was a registered nurse. She was going to have to go back to school, and we were praying about where we would live because. That was going to be because we knew uh, we had felt like God was going to take care of her, get her into her career. And he was going to further that because our ministry had already taken off. Now it was the, the shift was on her. So we moved to uh, Sellersburg, Indiana. We moved out there 
And she became, uh, she got affiliated with a hospital out there that was going to pay for, uh, uh, they were going to help, I shouldn't say pay for, but they were going to help with her uh, student loans and they were going to help her go through school and all that. So this was going to be a five-year program. But I didn't really want to hear that because I didn't really want to stay in Indiana for five years because I knew it was kind of a transition thing, but I had to submit to that process and it was going to take time. So we did that. We were there and I'm make a kind of cut a lot of this out for time's sake, but as time progressed, um, opportunities began to present itself here in the state of Georgia. Um, we have some friends that live here. They're, they're like family to us. Uh, because along, you know, uh, some of you guys know this, but my wife came out of a broken home. Um, she has a, she has a close knit family in Virginia, but my, you know, a lot of my family's gone on to be with the Lord, my, with the Lord. My mother's gone on to be with the Lord. My father, my stepfather, I have aunts, uncles, my grandmother, a lot of my family. So a lot of them's gone on to be with, uh, to, to be with the Lord. So we knew that we had a, a really good family unit and a base here in Georgia. And there was a lot of opportunities open here uh, for ministry's sake. And I believe even some of these things has not even come to fruition yet. Amen. And I believe that with my whole heart. It's yet to come. So when that was presented, uh, we knew in the natural, there's no way we're going to be able to do this anytime soon. There's just too many debts. No, no, first of all, uh, my wife would have to finish school. Second of all, we had, now listen to this. I don't know if you know this, brother. I don't know if you've ever heard of this story. We had $75,000 in debt. Mm. That was, uh, uh, and 50,000 of that was student loans. Mm. Anybody that's been in school for, you know, any of this stuff, you already understand. But, and look, there wasn't no Biden then that was forgiven yeah, yeah. debts. I'm just saying, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. So we didn't have that uh, privilege. So I had, we told, you know, some of our good friends of ours that are here now, they said, we, we want to help you move here. Whatever we can do, we would pray about moving here. And I had felt an unction to move here in the state of Georgia. But now watch this. But we told them, we was like, well, you've got the school. We've got $75,000 in debt that God, that's a mountain that God's going to have to move in order for us to move here. To state of Georgia. So I went home, watch this bishop. Oh, you're going to love this. I didn't go on. Never. We never went on air. I never put up a GoFundMe. I never said, I, you know, the Lord shows me I need, you know, 75 people to, to sow a thousand dollar seed. Now I never did any of that stuff. I never even spoke it out. Nobody knew we had debt. What we did was we went into the secret place, Matthew 6, and prayed mm. in secret to our Father who sees in secret. And he says, if you'll pray unto me in secret, I will reward you openly. Say it. So watch this. We were raw and we were real. I said, God, I said, if you desire for us to move the state of Georgia, if we're to move there, and this is our next move, this is our next transition, there is a mountain. Oh, hear me, church. Jesus mm. said, if you speak unto your mountain, we're not talking about a literal mountain here. Your mountain could be your health crisis. Your yep. mountain could be your marriage that's dissolving. Your mountain could be a financial hardship. Your mountain could be, come on, your prodigal children that need to come back mm. to the Lord. I don't know what your mountain is, but Jesus said, 
He didn't say rely on the eldership to speak to the mountain. He didn't say right. go to your pastor and speak to the mountain. He didn't say go to the, come on, to the evangelist, the prophet, the teacher. He said, no, you have got to speak to your mountain. Be thou removed and cast into the sea. So that's what we did. This wasn't a one-time pray prayer. We didn't ask, but we asked, we seeked, we knocked. We were continual, come on, Luke 18, continually praying night and day. Lord, I just, and this is how we prayed. Father, I thank you that you're removing this mountain of debt in Jesus' name. I call in $75,000 in Jesus' name. I don't know how it's coming in, but Lord, we trust you. We believe you. Whatever that looks like. If it's your will for us to move to Georgia, God, we're doing our part and we trust you that you'll do your part because watch this. God will never do in a miracle what you can do in your own strength. My God, come on, oh, think you, about you didn't it. Hear me. See, because when the angel showed up to Peter, who was shackled in chains, come on, Peter couldn't unshackle his own chains. So the angel did in the supernatural what mm. Peter could not do in the natural. But then once the angel freed him, Peter got up on his own accord and did everything else in the natural. Oh, come on. Reach. Listen, don't be ashamed of supernatural intervention that's why absolutely all oh, the bible says that the angels of god are 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 ministering spirits into the heirs of salvation those same angels that we're talking about they held back the nurses and the doctors from coming into the to the room yep. when bishop was praying why because gosh because god held back heaven and earth and said there's a conversation i gotta have right. with my right. son you don't think yeah. you're important i'm telling you friends man i feel the holy ghost on this for yes. somebody today god will move heaven and earth he will restrain the heavens he told daniel he said daniel i heard you the first day you right. prayed your prayer and i just want you to know that god didn't turn a deaf ear to you he didn't see your prayer he said in fact there's been contention there's been warfare in heaven over your prayers and on the yep. 21st day his breakthrough came come on somebody yep yep yep, yep. i know we live in a microwave society i know it's got to be instant but I'm telling you, I, 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 God is teaching us these principles that we have to hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is yes. faithful who promised to bring it to pass. So watch this. Mm. So one night, we're just doing a pro we're doing a broadcast like this, a normal broadcast. And I, I started talking about how the God of heaven will deliver you. He'll set you free from drugs, from alcohol, from bondages, from addictions. He'll break generational curses. He'll do all this. And he's setting free. And we were praying at the end of this segment, Bishop, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge for somebody. I said, there's somebody watching right now. And you have gone through a series of circumstances. You loved God. You were on fire for God. But these series of circumstances and situations has made you, it has hurt you, it has wounded you, and you've even become bitter towards God, and you've even turned to drugs. You've turned mm. to substances to cope this, to put a Band-Aid on it. But the power of God is here tonight to rip off that Band-Aid and bring the healing balm of Gilead and set you free in Jesus' name. I just, I released that word, prayed it, felt the Holy Ghost on it. Within three weeks later, we, our ministry, received a lawsuit against it. I was all worked up, been out of shape. I was angry. It was an absolutely ridiculous, frivolous lawsuit against us. 
um, I, I was bent out of shape, brother. I was upset. And I said, you know what? I said, I refuse to let the devil get the victory. So you know what I did? I got on my treadmill. I put on some worship music. I don't recommend doing this because it can be dangerous if you get lost <laughs> in the spirit. I'm just saying. So I put on some worship music, got on the treadmill. And you know what I did? I gave it to God. Come on. Tears flowing, Jeez. running, walking, sweat pouring, tears flowing, giving it to God, saying, Lord, I just thank you that you're going to take it. The battle's not mine, but it belongs to the Lord. Watch this. The same day, got up, got cleaned up, got a shower, went to our ministry mailbox, checked the mail. There was a big letter in there that I had a sign for, opened it up, and there was a check in there with a letter. So I opened, uh, the first thing I did was uh, I opened up the check. Come on, don't judge me. You do it too. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm just saying. So I opened, <laughs> I, opened, I opened the check and pastor, there was a check for $50,000. It was what? one of the largest gifts that our ministry has ever received. So I didn't think it was real. I thought it was fake. Yeah, I yeah, like, yeah, I would too. No way, no way. <laughs> so then I read the letter. <sighs> mm, mm. Oh, come on, listen, we're getting ready to pray right here. I read the letter and and this was, uh, the whole letter was a woman from the state of Texas. And she said, watch this. She said, I was listening. She goes, I don't even know how I found your YouTube channel. She said, I was watching your broadcast one night and you gave a word of knowledge. And she said, I was the individual that you were, that the Lord was speaking to through you, that my husband had died of cancer. And I was so angry at God, became bitter towards God and began to turn. And I turned to some very strong, powerful drugs. And I was yeah. bound by these drugs. I lost my joy. I was backslid. She'll even tell you I was backslid to hell. And I didn't see any way out. And when you gave that word, she said, I felt the fire of God. Jeez. Not in a Come church. On. Come on. It Lord. wasn't in an altar. It wasn't in a conference. Mm. In her living room, the fire wow. of God came on her. Why? Because she received a rhema word of God and yes. God set her free, totally set her free. And she, uh, so she, she said, out of gratitude, she said, I cannot, she goes, there's no amount hmm. that I could ever give to your ministry to thank you. And, and by the way, we're personal friends. I just talked to her yesterday on the phone. Wow. Uh, she's a personal partner of our ministry and friends Amazing. of our ministry. So she sent this check, $50,000. And she's, uh, and she said, I just want to bless your ministry. I don't even know your needs, whatever. And I said, oh, and I, of course I called my wife. She's crying. I'm crying two weeks or no, three weeks later, brother, another check comes in. Want to guess how much the amount was for? I'm going to Remember, think, we were believing 000. for how much? I'm going to see if y'all are paying attention. Yeah. It was a check for $25,000, which is equal to $75,000. Brother, wow. when that came in, not only was we shouting, yeah. but we knew that solidified yeah. wow. that we were supposed to move to the state of Georgia. 
So, oh, oh so yeah, listen, yeah. Here's where we're gonna. This is what we're gonna do right now, man. I feel the I feel the Holy mm. Ghost on this. Yes, me too. I don't know who this word is for today. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what your mountain is. But listen, I'm telling you the the word of God. God says, "I see treasure in earthen vessels." I'm telling you, somebody might be going through hell right now. You might be going through warfare right now. Your marriage may be on the rocks. Your your ministry might be in shambles. You might be have a financial mountain that is right in front of you. You might have a health crisis. The doctor said this. The the, the medical staff said this. Listen, we're, God is not intimidated by that. And you're looking at two no. men of God that are not no. intimidated by your circumstances because we ser- we know and serve the God who is able, well able to move mountains. So watch this. I'm going to kick it back over to Bishop. I want him to pray according to how he's led based on his, come on, what he's walked through. And then I'm going to pray according to what I feel led to do. And I believe today, and listen to me, uh, oh, come on, uh, Brother Rob Parsley said one day, <clears throat> I remember this, this, is one of the greatest quotes I think he's ever made. The expectation is the breeding mm-hmm. ground for miracles. So if you're here yes. tonight and you have expectation and yes. you have faith to believe, I'm telling you, God is going to move mountains tonight in Jesus name. Bishop, go ahead, pray. Well, I want to say before I pray, I want to say this, that uh, a man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. Yes. So you, you 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 can sit here and troll this thing and say, well, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in deliverance. I don't believe in favor. It ain't going to work with these two men because we've experienced it. And once you've experienced it, it takes it to the next level. It's not yep. emotion. It's just, I listen, I was in that hospital bed. He got that check. Go ahead. He, his debt was canceled. So you can say all you want to. You can, you can even use scripture to try to back up your false doctrine. It ain't going to work because our, we don't just have an experience. We have an experience based on scripture. So the reality is this. You know, he he said, you will lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name, you will cast out devils. Go ahead. Given it shall be given to you. Press down good measure, shaken together, running over shall men given to your bosom. That's scripture. And, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's what we stand on. But you're looking at two men of God here that have stood on those scriptures and have actually walked in those scriptures. And let me tell you something. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The yes, chastisement sir. of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are and we were healed. So we claim it. We claim it. We declare it that we are healed. He healed yes. us. He gave us access to healing at that flogging uh, post when he took uh, 39 stripes on his back with a cat of nine tails. Every one of those stripes had your sickness on it. When he was when he let them drive them nails through his wrist and his feet and that blood came down, that blood was in enough for your sins. That blood was enough to cover a multitude of sins. Whoever calls upon the name yes, of the Lord sir. shall be saved. You may be watching this, sitting there laughing and mocking us. You, know, you, you might be getting ready to, to blow up the comment section, but for whatever reason, God just arrested you because you know down deep in your heart, you know that God is calling you and you're all this stuff that you say and the people that you troll is because now you realize you're just trying to mask and cover up the calling of God, that burning sensation that's within you that you can't explain 
explain. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. He's calling you. If you're sick in your body, I want you to know right now, I'm believing that today, I'm about to pray, today is when your miracle comes. If you need yes. a financial miracle, it is coming. God doesn't just care about your body being healed and your mind being sound. And certainly the first thing he cares about is that your soul is saved. He also wants you to be blessed. He wants you to take be taken care of. I'm not talking, this ain't no get rich thing. I ain't talking about God's going to give no. you an airplane. God's going to put you in a mansion. No, he's, he's going to provide for you. He's the provider. But more than that, he wants to put his favor on you. He wants you. Favor is better than money. We're not talking about money. We're talking about favor. Favor yes. will open doors that money can't open. Money can buy you a house, but it can't buy you a home. Are you hearing me? Favor right. is better than money. We're, we're talking about praying. And, and, and grace is unmerited favor. You're not saved by your works. There's not anything that you can do to achieve this. It's by the grace and the mercy of God. You can't heal yourself. You can't save yourself. But with your mouth, the power of life and death, that's why I talk about those five words. I see greatness. You changed my life because it wasn't that all of a sudden I felt great about myself. It was that it, the power of life come out of my wife's mouth and, and showed me I am I have, I'm not just here taking up space. I'm not just a useless eater and a useless air breather. I've been put here with a purpose. I Come have on. an, there is a reason that I exist or God would not have put me here. And, and, and I want to know what that is, God. And you might be sitting there going, I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know what my destiny is. It may be to, to touch millions. It may be to touch your spouse. It may be to just simply be an impact on your family. That's your first thing anyway. That's your number one priority anyway. But forget, forget the world. You got to first go to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. So let's believe God right now. If you need a miracle in your body, if you need a miracle in your mind, if your mind is tormented, if you got terror spirits terrorizing you at night, demons tormenting you. I'm about to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I come against every tormenting spirit. I come against every devil that has caused night terrors, nightmares. They can't sleep at night. They're, they're tormented by their past, things that they've done, yes, things Lord. that were done to them, generational curses that mock them, uh, their sickness in their body, infirmity. We just say in the name of Jesus, we bind every way that the devil is attacking that person. We come against you right now, Satan. The blood of Jesus against you, Satan. If you are listening to me right now and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me tell you, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Cry out to God right now and ask him to forgive. Repent of your yes. sins and turn from your wicked ways. Do an about turn in the direction that you are going. And I'm telling you right now, God's about to show up in that house, show up in that car, show up in that gym, show up on that treadmill, show up on that lawnmower. Wherever you're at listening or watching this, God knows exactly where you are. Call on Jesus right now. Ask him to come into your heart right now. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for everybody that's being saved. We thank you for the backslider that's coming back home right now. We thank you for the prodigal son and daughter that's coming back to the house. And God, we just declare right now, every sickness, every infirmity, yes, no matter Jesus, what the doctor has said, no matter what the diagnosis is, no matter if they say there is a cure, if there's not a cure, there is a cure. His name is Jesus. There is a cure. It's called the blood of Jesus. Satan, you are no greater than the blood of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus. We claim the stripes of Jesus back, God, for their healing, for their deliverance. And now, God, in the name of Jesus, we 
bind every tormenting devil and we say unto that demon of hell, come out of them, come off of them, get away from them, get out of that house. You have no rights. We bind you, strong man. You are nothing. You go from that house now. That house is clean. That house is free. That mind is yes, free. Lord. That mind is free. Now, God, bless their finances, God. We, God, you're not just calling them to meet the needs, God. You want them to be blessed and meet the needs, but also to have the ability to bless others as well, God. Lord, you told Abraham, I have blessed you and you will be a blessing. So God, I thank you, Lord, right now for financial miracles. I thank you, Lord, for peace of mind. I thank you, Lord, for every struggle that they're going through, whether it be sickness, whether it be emotional, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, whether it be financial. It, God, I declare that you are coming into their life and changing that right now in Jesus' name. Just throw your hands up right now and just claim it and say, I receive it. It is done. My life has been changed. No one can take my miracle from me in Jesus' name. Amen. And listen, if you're watching this and you're one of these individuals that maybe you're, maybe somebody invited you into this and you recognize, as the bishop was telling this story about the abuse and this, and maybe you're not right where you are. Listen, there's many people that can be saved. You yep. could be in the church. You could be a regular church goer. But yep. you know, your marriage knows, your wife knows, your family knows, your kids knows. Come on. They all know the real yep. you. You yep. can put on a show, you can put on a front, you can preach the house down, the gifts and callings are without repentance, all that's still going to activate. But listen, behind the scenes, behind the closed doors, who is the real you? Now's your chance, now's your time. Like the man with the withered hand. He came into the synagogue and Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Bishop, he mm. never said stretch forth the withered hand. He, stretched, he yep. said, stretch forth your hand. You have to choose which hand you're going to give. Are you going to just show God the good side of you? Are you going to reveal the, the bad and the ugly as well? Say, it, preacher. And say Lord, just here I am. Get, I want to be real. I want to be authentic. Yes. I want to be the husband you've called me to be, the wife you've called me to be, the mother, the husband, the man of God, the woman of God, I want you to pull out of me what other yes. people, I don't see it in myself, I don't mm. see it, but you see it, everybody else sees it, the preacher sees it, the word of God sees it, but God, I need this day to see yes. this. Lord, yes. I come to you today and I say, Lord, take everything of me, take out of me a heart mm. of, yes, of stone and put in me a heart of flesh. Come on, do you believe you, that? Father. Just receive you, this right now, right where you're at, right where Thank you're you, watching, Father. Right where you're listening. You guys are listening by Apple and by Spotify. You can't see us, but you can hear us. You, the Bible says if you'll just respond in faith that God will do that for you. If you got to pull your car over to the side of the road. I know say people it. might think you're crazy, but who cares what they say? I can't exactly. tell you how many times I've been in the road and I'd be lost in worship, tears flowing down my face, nobody in the car. Come on. But I, come on, I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit, in tune with God. It, come on, stop putting it off. Do it today. I'm telling you, listen what the what this pastor said. His whole world changed, changed. from that encounter. Pastor, it's, it reminds me of Jacob. Mm -hmm. Jacob, to everybody yep. else, he was one perception, but Jacob knew who the real him was. And you know what it yep. took? An all-night wrestling match with God. Absolutely. And when God got done wrestling with him, his walk 
changed and his yep. walk was the same. You want to know the earmarks of a real encounter with God is your whole walk will never be mm. the same. Some of y'all has been My playing God. with religion too long. I'm telling My you, God. we're not bringing you religion and, and all this nonsense. We're not bringing you bondage. We're bringing you freedom today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We're, we're talking about a real God who really delivers, really sets free, and has a real plan for your life. So I want you to receive yes. this word today, receive this prayer today, and be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. And listen, we need you to hang on before you hang uh, before you go. Uh, Pastor, I want you to uh, look in that camera, and I want you to tell them how to contact. How do, how do they keep up with you? How do okay. they... Uh, you know, if they don't know, maybe it's the first time joining us and you don't, you don't know who Bishop Larry Raglan is. Um, he's got a, a great ministry and I want him to share how to, to find him right here. Okay. The best way to do it is just go to LarryRaglan.com or LarryRaglan.tv. Uh, they both take it the same place. Uh, but you, all of our social media connects are at LarryRaglan.tv. All of us there, uh, archives of our YouTube channel podcast. We have, uh, two podcasts, also connections to my church. I pastor a church in Birmingham, Alabama called Solid Rock Church. If you want to go there, you can go to solidrockchurch.com. So it's LarryRagman.com, solidrockchurch.com. Uh, but if you want to follow what we're doing, my wife and I host a live show. We do Bible studies and many different things on the big picture on our YouTube channel. We're also on Rumble. Not everything's on all the different platforms, but usually everything's on YouTube. So if you just go to YouTube and just search for my name, Larry Ragman, or the big picture, you'll find us. Uh, and uh, it's youtube.com slash Larry Ragland. Either way, the best way to do it is just go to LarryRagland.com. You can also order our book there, uh, and you can also get the book anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere online you can buy a book. It's available. But the best way to do it is just go to our website, click the order right there, and if you go that way, you get free shipping. Uh, there's a code there to get free shipping, but it's shipping now. I see greatness in you, and uh, we're so thankful. We're so honored uh, Ricky is a normal, a, a once a month, uh, guest once a month on the big picture on the kingdom intelligence report, which is a show that we do that we're so honored to have Ricky with us once a month to come in and share his, uh, expertise and his knowledge of what's going on in our world. But I am grateful. I'm thankful from the bottom of my heart to be a part of end time headlines. And I thank you for everyone that's watched this program. And I am praying and believing that millions of lives, eventually thousands to begin with, but millions of lives will watch this broadcast for years to come. And every time somebody will get saved, delivered and healed because more than anything, that is both of our desire is to see you right with God. So thank you so much, uh, Ricky, for having me on your program. I'm very grateful. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Big Picture Podcast. We hope it helped you, encouraged you, and empowered you. Please consider leaving us a review on your app of choice and share with family and friends. And remember, we ain't woke, but we are certainly awake.